Welcome to a place where terror knows your name, where there's nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. Welcome to the Spooky Shit Show. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to the Spooky Shit Show. My name is Derek Gigantor, and I'll be your host of this brand new podcast that you're listening to right now. Is Derek Gigantor my real name? Only about half correct there, but for the purposes of being kind of anonymous here in the uh, world of podcast land, I'm just going to go by Derek Gigantor. Or you could call me Derek, or you can call me Gigantor, or you can call me nothing at all. So... Spooky shit show. Does that mean you're going to be talking about spooky shit? You betcha. But I'm also kind of a shit show of a person, so it works both ways. That's what we call a double entendre, double dip. You get more bang for your buck that way. So, the spooky shit show it is. And on this show, I'll be talking about horror films. What they mean to me, what I think of them, my subjective opinion, of course, and some other fun things as well. And by other fun things as well, I'm talking about more than just horror films, of course. There's horror television, horror novelizations, horror comic books, horror plays. So anything that can fall into the realm of horror, we're going to cover it here. Or at least, you know, attempt to. That's the uh, intention right now. And in different formats as well. As I said earlier, this whole thing is kind of a prototype, trying to figure out what it is that I really want to do. So, I hope to bring you guys film reviews, guest interviews from horror filmmakers or horror writers, uh, have live readings of horror novelizations. I'm also a playwright, and I've written a few horror plays, so maybe I'll put those up on here soon. Different viewpoints of horror. Uh, also, some fun things that I think would be a blast to share as regular episodes. Franchise Countdown. So we've all seen Nightmare on Elm Street a million times. We've all seen Halloween a million times. All of those movies. But you're probably always wondering, which one is the best? Well, I'm going to do whole episodes of that. On March 17th, you can expect a Leprechaun Countdown. That is, if I make it that far in this podcast journey I've decided to go on. Also, watch-alongs could be a lot of fun. Quiz shows. The possibilities are endless, so give me a few episodes to figure out what it is I want to do. I want to take this slowly because this could be something that I could really commit myself to or just fall off the face of the earth with it. But at least let me see what I want to do and let me find out if I'm any good at it at all. Please, I beg of you. So give me some time to figure this out. At least one episode a week. I have plans for the next like five or six if I want to keep this thing going. So, just stay tuned, bear with me, and I promise if this first episode sucks, the rest will get better as I go on and get better at this podcast thing that everybody else is doing, so why not I jump on the bandwagon as well. This first episode, though, I want to accomplish two things here. The first is covering the movie that got me into horror in the first place. And what that is, I will not say yet. But before that, I think it's important that you guys get to understand me, get to know me, and how I view horror, because I'm the guy running this show. Horror films. Why do we like them? Why are we obsessed with them? 
it's very rare you meet someone who is just a little bit into horror films. Every now and then I'll talk to somebody and I'll ask them because this is kind of a hard thing for me to talk about with people. It, it's as if people sometimes think that you're odd or, or a freak because you enjoy horror films, which I don't think so at all. But I always hate when I admit this to people and I ask them if they're interested. Ooh, uh, well, I can't do... No, 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 no. You either can or you can't. All right? Um, and it really astounds me that they are so ingrained into me and who I am as a person that it utterly astounds me when I meet someone who won't even entertain the idea of watching a horror movie. Because here's another reason that I love them so much, or maybe the first reason. I don't know if I even told you guys the first one yet. But one reason I absolutely love them is that they're a safe scare. We know that in the confines of a movie theater or uh, in our homes with friends, tucked in bed watching a movie, wherever, whenever, we watch these movies because we're expected to be in a safe setting. So it's a safe scare. Also, Aristotle was a philosopher, and he believed that there were six major elements to telling a wonderful story. Plot, character, thought, diction, sound, and spectacle. Think about a horror film, and everything that goes into making a good horror film. All of those items, plot, character, thought, sound, diction, spectacle, all of those items go into making an effective horror film, which is another reason why I love horror movies so much, that it takes so many different skill sets to pull off a great horror film that is strong and effective. That's why some of the best horror movies don't even really have a whole lot of blood and guts in them because they can tell, the directors can tell a very effective story with mood, setting, tone, pacing, script, character, plot. And then spectacle is the last thing you really need because if it's right in front of us, there's no imagination left for us. Really great horror films take on the quality of what you don't see. They follow the Greeks. All the violence happens off stage. In a horror film, all the scary stuff is happening when you can't see it. When your brain is the one dictating what you're seeing. So thus, your own personal history and imagination is going to take over and boom, it's going to place you in the room. And that's what's really terrifying you, what's in your own head. Very psychological twists that can be played with in horror films and really, really, really mess with the viewer. Another reason I absolutely love horror films is that they are so batshit crazy and insane on their own right that they are all created in these new worlds that don't actually exist. These worlds outside of reality, the, these fictional worlds where there are really no rules in a horror movie there's just your, your characters and, and, and the, the, the world that is presented on the screen. So it can be anything. So much room for imagination and artistic interpretation in a horror film. Uh, if, if you don't believe me or if you think differently, just look at the artistic direction of some wonderful horror films. Uh, Hereditary felt like it was, it, it was shot in a dollhouse. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5 was incredibly gothic and fun to watch. It's not a great movie, but the artistic direction of it created this whole other world. The Witch, all right, in, in, in uh, uh, 
Robert Eggers created this weird, uh, like, 17th century New England colonial vibe, and it just works. So, worlds of the play, and whatever that world is, I find it entertaining as long as it's connected and established to the story they're trying to tell. It can be anything. The possibilities are vast, wide, and endless. So, if the director has crafted a consistent, uh, uh, let's say a consistent mise-en-scene right here to watch, live in, pay attention to, and to absorb yourself into the story, as long as that is consistent, I will enjoy and buy any horror movie because tone and style is king in a horror flick. And that's what helps tell the story so well. That's why I like horror movies. Me, I've been watching them since I was two years old. I remember being at my Grandma Betty's house, my mom's mom, my Grandma Betty's house, and Grandma Betty was watching me once, and I was two years old, all right? And I knew that there was a certain movie on videotape that she would watch, and she had, and I saw a clip of it once, and the colors on the screen, and the monster, it, it, it just pulled me straight into it. I wasn't even that scared, really. I'll tell you what it is in a minute here. So that movie, that specific movie that we're covering today, was my first introduction to the genre that I love so, so much. Ever since then, I have had always found them, and I watched them nonstop. As a kid, my mom would take me to the library, and I'd check out books, but I'd also check out the Universal Classic Monsters so that's how, on tape. So that's how I got to watch Dracula, and Frankenstein, and The Mummy, and Phantom of the Opera, and Creature in the Black Lagoon, and The Wolfman, and all those movies for the first time, checking out tapes from the library. Uh, also, Saturdays. My parents, we lived in, uh, in the country, had 25 acres. They had a giant satellite dish the size of a vehicle in the backyard. Noon, every Saturday... 12 o'clock every Saturday, if I was home, I knew I could turn on Channel 62, and I would see, at noon, they would always play a horror film at noon. That's the first time I saw Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, and it was edited for television, of course. I also saw The Hidden, uh, Stephen King's Graveyard Shift, Critters, all of those super popular horror flicks from the 80s, played on Channel 62 at 12 o'clock in Kansas City, uh... In, in, in the early to mid-90s. Uh, so these horror movies weren't even that old when I was seeing them. So I've seen some pretty new and recent things happening then. Uh, Monday nights, Channel 62 would also play a horror movie at 8 p.m. on Monday nights. So that's the first time I saw The Lost Boys and The Blob and a slew of other movies. So that was my first introduction to, to horror. Between my grandma leaving that videotape out that my parents would let me watch sometimes on my own along with uh, good old Channel 62, the library, small town, so we had a video store I was always renting movies from until I got a driver's license and then drove 25 minutes to the next town to hit Blockbuster all the time. Growing up, kids would ask me, hey, did you see this new Pixar movie? No. Well, why not? Because I was too busy watching a dude in a hockey mask cut up campers for absolutely no reason and uh, isolated ele elements uh, in, in the plot that had nothing to do with the first movie or previous movie because Friday the 13th is kind of boring. But that's besides the point. The point I'm trying to make is that they were very much who I was growing up. Horror flicks were. 
I'd get every issue of Fangoria from uh, Barnes Noble for ten bucks. Totally worth the drive. Um, I'd be seeing every movie I could in theaters, but it was kind of a closet thing that I kept to myself when I was younger. But now that I'm older, I'm at a point in my life where, uh, frankly, I really could care less what other people think about my love of horror films, and it's about time I'm there. Not to mention, right now it's the Halloween season, and I'm just feeling inspired. So I want to see how far I can take this enjoyment of horror that I have. And so many of my friends are starting these podcasts now, and I have uh, a couple of good friends with a horror show, A Nightmare on Fierce Street, starring Sheree and Trent. So check that out, guys, A Nightmare on Fierce Street. You can find them on Facebook. Um, that are, are doing this, and why can't I? So I'm going for it. Kind of. We'll see. Like I said, we'll see how long it lasts, but... While you guys have me on the air, I'm at least going to chat your ears off for a little bit, okay? So, I just gave you guys a rundown of why I'm doing this podcast and why I love horror flicks so much. Now, here comes the fun part. I'm going to set up a set of questions for myself. And if I ever have a guest on here, which I'd like to, I have a set of three questions I'm going to ask every single person who comes on here. Before I do that, I'm going to ask myself these questions, okay? So, question number one. What is your favorite horror movie? My favorite horror movie of all time is Dawn of the Dead, the original 1978 Dawn of the Dead. I remember when I was in high school, I was having a study hall with my friend Brian, and he told me that the sequel to Night of the Living Dead, Night, excuse me, the sequel to Night of the Living Dead featured people climbing around in the air ducts in a mall. I was like, well, that sounds pretty cool. That sounds interesting. And I finally found it at the video store. It took me forever. And at this point, I had seen the remake of Night of the Living Dead, but not the original. So my timeline was a little skewed. Um, but anyways, I checked out Night of the Living Dead. It was two VHS tapes because this was before uh, DVDs were out. It was 15. Or maybe DVDs had just come out, but you know, 2000, uh, 2000 was weird if you didn't live through it, okay? It was a bizarre time in our lives. We thought the entire world was going to shut down. I remember I wasn't even allowed to go out on uh, New Year's Eve because, you know, we were expecting computers to stop, uh, street lamps to go out, cars to just die, airplanes to fall out of the sky, cats start sleeping with dogs, that whole thing was supposed to happen. And then Y2K hit and it was nothing but a dry popcorn fart. Anyways, that's why Dawn of the Dead was on two VHS tapes. Rented it, took it home. I'd never seen anything like it. Ever since then, I've been obsessed with zombie movies. They have been my total bread and butter for the past 21 years. But Dawn of the Dead isn't like anything else I ever saw at the time, and probably unlike anything else you've ever seen. George Romero the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. He is the zombie godfather, of course. He is the Konstantin Stanislavski of zombies. But he created a movie, or all of his zombie movies for that matter, are a heavy commentary of our times. Um, what 
Dawn of the Dead became was a commentary on materialism and consumerism that was especially sweeping the nation as uh, malls started being erected in the 70s, and consumerism was on an all-time high. Why do the zombies keep coming back to the mall? Because that's all they know. And it's horrifying to think that we're all just nothing but consuming zombies that walk, shop, shit, eat, and die. Sorry to be bleak about it, but that's the truth. Tied into four very interesting stories and a great, uh, excuse me, tied into four great characters and a very interesting story of these four characters who are struggling to not just get by, but have some humanity left when they've kind of given up in the world and decided to hole up in this mall. Dawn of the Dead, 1978. It's my favorite film ever. Favorite horror movie ever. Uh, Question number two. What is one I have not seen? My guilty not seen pleasure. (laughs) And I need to get around to watching this. I have never, ever, ever seen Rosemary's Baby. And yeah, I know I should have when I thought long and hard about that. What have I not seen? Rosemary's Baby has to take the cake on that one. For the number one movie I have not seen. I know all about it. I know it's by Roman Polanski. stars Mia Farrow. I know about the plot. I'm not going to talk about the plot, because if I haven't seen it, I have no business talking about the plot. But I, I feel like I know everything there is to know about it, and I still haven't seen it. Sometimes it's hard to get around to watching the classics. But I'm definitely not one of those people who watches a classic and says, uh, it's not scary. No, I very much put myself in the understanding and mindset of, why the original Friday the 13th is actually considered scary when it came out, even though today it is not. Yes, I know. But Rosemary's Baby is one I really need to get around seeing. Or maybe I'll never see it, since, you know, it's my uh, greatest horror movie I've never seen. Alright, so, the first horror movie I ever saw. Last question, the first horror movie I ever saw. And this is the movie I'm covering today. Because it's Halloween season, it's kind of a Halloween horror. No, it is a Halloween horror. And it's always one that I suggest to people early. There's three movies that I always suggest to people very early when they ask me, "Uh, what's a good horror movie I can watch? Well, let me tell you. The first horror movie I ever saw, the one I'm covering right now, I'm going to build this up a little bit. The first horror movie I ever saw, the one I'm covering right now, the one that I suggest to people right out the gate is... From 1982, directed by George Romero himself, written by Stephen King. Ladies and gentlemen, let me talk to you about Creep Show. Yes, Creep Show. That was the first horror movie I ever saw, and I still love it to this day. Creep Show became kind of a franchise on its own. A sequel, Creep Show 2, came out a few years later in 1987. And then there was a Creepshow 3 that wasn't really associated with the first two, but that came out in the early 2000s during the straight-to-DVD craze for the horror genre. And it's not that great, but there's been a slight revival. Shudder, the Shudder channel on Amazon Prime now has a episodic creep show television show that's in its third season so remember tales from the crypt that's what creep show is now which is totally fine with me it's a fun little show check it out the creep show from 1982 was the first movie 
excuse me, the first horror movie I ever remember watching at the age of two years old. Oh my gosh. But it was edited down. Creepshow is a collection of five short horror films told in an anthology style that has a nice wraparound containing it all. So your book ended by the same plot that introduces the five short horror films interwoven throughout the movie. It's a little bit over two hours long, but the all-star cast is phenomenal. Okay, first off, like I said, it was directed by George Romero starring Stephen King, but the cast in 1982, Ed Harris is featured, uh, Leslie Nielsen, Ted Danson, Hal Holbrook, not to mention Stephen King himself stars in one of the five short films. And what are those five short films? Well, let's go through them, all right? So I'll talk you through the whole movie. It begins with a young boy being told to go to bed during the Halloween season by his father. His father is in a bit of a rage. He perhaps slaps the child, and then in the evening, the boy is visited by the creep in his window. The creep is featured on the creep show comic books that the boy's father had just taken away from him for reading that trash. So, the creep laughs with the little boy through the window, and then we are shown the comics as they're thrown outside. It flips open, and the first story is Father's Day. Father's Day. Yes, the holiday Father's Day concerns a rich, affluent family that's gathering for their annual Father's Day meal. Why do they gather on Father's Day? Well, not just for the holiday Father's Day, but the patriarch of the entire family was killed in an unfortunate accident in the home that was actually a murder by his daughter for killing her beloved beau. So now the family, the rich family, reaps the benefits of the dead patriarch. They get together every Father's Day for a nice baked ham dinner. But this year is different. Bedelia, the sister who killed the father, was visiting his grave outside of the estate. Until he rises from the grave, kills her and the rest of the family. Because all he wanted was his cake. It ends with the head of his second daughter on a platter. It's Father's Day, and I finally got my cake. This is the, the short film starring Ed Harris. It's pretty dang funny, and it's pretty dang scary. Trust me on that one. A little side note. To make a personal connection with you, every Father's Day, my sister would make us sit down and watch just the Father's Day segment between me, my sister, my mother, and my father. We would get together and watch it. Now, I actually have a daughter. So on Father's Day, we don't watch it anymore because she's with us. And I don't want her seeing that. In an ironic twist, I will not let my daughter watch that movie. The second short film. It's called The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. And it is a basically solo movie with Stephen King as Jordy Farrell. A meteorite hits his small, dilapidated farm out in the Midwest. He thinks, well, that's pretty cool, because he plays a very dumb hick, hillbilly-type character. Runs outside, touches the meteor, burns his fingers. Next thing you know, he's turning into a plant man. 
and his entire estate is turning in to just weeds everywhere. Just weeds. The Lonesome Death of Geordie Verrill. You can watch Stephen King slowly turn into a plant. It's shorter in the entire runtime of the whole movie. Um, and there's really not a whole lot more to it than he's just turning into a plant the whole time. But it's another horror comedy piece. The third movie. The next two, excuse me, the next two, the third and fourth movie, are where Creepshow really shines, in my opinion. Where Creepshow becomes more utterly terrifying than anything else. The third short film, Something to Tide You Over, starring Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson. Leslie Nielsen discovers that his wife has been cheating on him with Ted Danson. Sam Malone himself. But you know, if my wife were cheating on me with Ted Danson, what could I really say about it? Well... He's Ted dancing, for God's sakes. Do it, Ted. Whatever you got to, all right? You're Ted dancing. All right? Cheers. So, but what does he do? He buries Ted dancing and his wife in the beach from their shoulders on down and lets them drown as the tide comes and washes them away. Only for that night, Leslie Nielsen to be visited by two aquatic ghosts. You can take a guess as to who they are. But the sight is utterly terrifying when it happens. Truly, truly is pretty freaking scary. Prepare yourself for that. The next piece is called The Crate. And The Crate is definitely one of the longer ones in the entire film. But The Crate is one of my favorite short stories of horror, horror movies, horror pieces of all time. Just everything really works out well here. It clicks together. The monster effects are awesome. Two college professors find a crate. And it's a fancy, like, Northeastern Ivy League school. Two science instructors, science professors, doctorates in, in uh, biology. It's not exactly stated. Find an old crate that's about 130 or 40 years old underneath the stairs in the basement of their science lab. They open it up, and they find this monster that's been in this crate for 140 years locked in this stairwell that they just discover. Oh, and Adrian Barbeau is in this with Hal Holbrook. So it's a really great cast in the crate. Uh, established acting veterans just playing the hell out of this on paper goofy story, but they bring so much reality to it because they're such great actors who are committed to the material. No matter their pedigree, this is their reality to them. And there's a lot of great monster effects, a lot of gore and blood in it, but also just the use of color and shadow and the score in this one. Just everything really worked to a T in a way that Ugh. Oh, like I said, it's one of my absolute favorite moments in horror of all time. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Love the crate. And the last piece in Creepshow is called They're Creeping Up on You. Uh, it's about a wealthy, wealthy businessman in his high-rise apartment who is a sanitation freak. So nowadays it's even creepier. But he hates when things don't go well. 
I don't want to say too much, but if you don't like bugs, maybe don't watch this one, okay? Oddly enough, if you watch it edited on TV, because, you know, they have to uh, squeeze it in for time allotted, this one's cut out. So, growing up, this is one I didn't see until I uh, was a teenager and watched Creepshow on my own. So, But check it out. Um, E.G. Marshall. Yeah, E.G. Marshall. He's the actor featured in They're Creeping Up on You, the last part of Creepshow. Uh, like I said earlier, if you don't like bugs, don't watch this one, because it's pretty damn gross. Uh, that's all I'll say. A one-man show with bugs. Just, I'll let your imagination run wild on you there. After that, Creep Show gets wrapped up. So, remember the first part the, of, of our bookend that starts Creep Show of a grumpy, abusive father slapping his child for reading comic books? Well, son gets his revenge in the very last scene of the entire movie. And you're rooting for the kid the whole time. Sorry, Dad. But Creepshow, directed by George Romero, written by Stephen King, does have a ton of familiar faces in the entire movie. So while I did not say everyone's name who was in it, some people will pop in that you'll recognize. Trust me. Especially if you were watching horror movies by George Romero in the late 70s, early 80s, or anything from John Carpenter, really, too, because there's a few John Carpenter stalwarts in uh, Creepshow. So check it out. I know you'll love it. I know you will. And then you'll say, Derek, I loved it. You were right. Yes. And then we can talk some more. Because that's really what I'm trying to do here, guys, with this whole podcast thing, is just find a way to communicate my love of horror films. And maybe this first episode absolutely sucks. Probably does. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you don't give a damn either way. Who cares? But anyways, uh, I want to keep these things going as long as I can and as long as I'm interested to because I enjoy talking about horror movies and this seems like the best way to guarantee I can always do it. So check me out on Facebook, The Spooky Shit Show. Uh, I, in shit, it's an X instead of an I because Facebook wouldn't let me spell out shit. Uh, maybe I'll start an Instagram. I am looking at getting stickers printed and some other things. I've got ideas. Let's see if I get around to doing them, though. You know, i got a job and a daughter, and those are important things, and friends and family, too. But uh, who knows? Maybe I'll have one of you guys on here someday. Like I said, i got plans. I just need to actually do them and get to them. So that's my first episode. Up next, you're probably wondering, here's the next episode that I'll be doing. It is Halloween season, and today, Halloween Kills was released. I haven't watched it yet. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch Halloween Kills, all right? And then my next episode is going to be the first franchise countdown of a horror series. And, of course, if you haven't figured it out, we'll be doing a countdown of all the Halloween movies from worst to first that's my own personal ranking, but the original John Carpenter, all the sequels, even Halloween 3, even going off Rob Zombies, and the last two, the newest two with David Gordon Green, written by David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. So, that's the next episode. Can't wait to drop it for you. It's going to come out in the next few days after I see Halloween Kills later tonight. I'm going to watch it, and then I'm going to do my ranking for you, and then I'm going to present my ranking to you. And we're going to keep this ball rolling as much as we can, all right? So bear with me. Um, 
Look me up on Facebook. Let me know what movies you want me to cover, what you want me to talk about, and I'll give it some thought and probably do that too because that's how we can keep the discussion going. So, stay spooky, my friends. Keep watching those movies. Keep checking me out on Facebook, clicking those links, sharing with your friends. Just help spread the word. Who knows? Like I said, maybe you think this sucks, but if not, help me out here. All right? Thanks, guys. Shit show. Ha 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 ha.